Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As we see, some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass, with you. It is spit. We're spitballing. Shit's forming in my cheeks right now. I'm getting it together. I'm going to lay a luggy out on the black asphalt disgusting thank you thank you for that uh lovely musical intro though that is my new favorite doc watson summertime it was very uh soothing yeah what a wonderful way to start the show yeah have you so i'm on episode two of the ken burns country music documentary on pbs it's pretty cool i haven't started it yet just like you said it's 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 like, okay, here we go. We're it's going home, into Ken Burns' world. <laughs> did you listen to him on Recode? No. I think she did an episode I'm with sure him. she did. He, he probably did the rounds. I'll have to check it out. She um, puts out a lot of content, so I can't really keep up. You know, I've gotten to the point where I'm just cherry-picking it now. Yeah, I'm a, I've been listening to a lot of it. I'm a big fan, for sure. Um, I like it because she doesn't... Because Look, she's... Kara Swisher's a... I don't think she would argue that she's a progressive liberal, but she gets such great guests on, and she keeps it pretty fair. You think so? I mean, for as, as fair as she can. Yeah. That guy you were just listening to is a former uh, Trump executive. Oh, is that that wasn't what that wasn't Recode though, was it? Yeah, that was Recode. Oh, I didn't recognize her voice. Yeah. Oh, oh that's because I do it at a one point five. I listen to all my podcasts at one point five speed. Do you really? Yeah. You don't do that? I feel like she's already at 1.5. Just By the her way, natural state. all of our listeners should listen to these podcasts at 1.5 speed. They're way faster <laughs> and they're better. I think they're better. I mean, you can just take in way more content quicker. Okay. But yeah, I don't know if my brain processes fast enough to absorb it all. Yeah. I'll, I'll try. Yeah. That's funny, though, that I didn't even recognize her voice because of that. Yeah. Um, so one thing that we should follow up on if we're going to be talking about music right now and documentary. Yeah. Did you watch Echo in the Canyon yet? No. It's available on Netflix. Oh, now. Okay, good. They just Thanks made it available for, for streaming. 
Like a killer. It's uh, it's not good. good. It's not good. Dude, I had such high hopes. All of the advertising looks amazing. And the, the guests that they got or the people that they feature and interview it in it um, are A-listers, you know? Hmm. That's so bad. For I was told it was good. Somebody it, saw it. Dude, it just wasn't. Like, it, it's basically Jacob Dylan. Uh, it's the Jacob Dylan show. Oh, and, like, right. Jacob Dylan. I I'm, almost hate to spoil it and give you an impression of it oh, before yeah, you form you your own. But, I mean, I'm not going to watch it if you tell me not to watch it, though. I, you got to give it a chance. Yeah. And then you can form your own opinion. Okay, but maybe give me your opinion on it. I want to hear you. Jacob opinion. Dylan is so unaffected. Like, he is the ultimate cool guy. He stands there just looking condescendingly at whoever's talking and it'll be like David Crosby and Steven Stills and like all these A-listers and they'll tell like a really funny good story and he won't even crack a smile he'll just be like hmm he'll just nod politely and he's looking down his nose at him wearing like a cool leather jacket and <laughs> that's lame he's so lame is it so is yeah. it insincere is it just like dude it's shocking how cool the guy thinks he is and the other thing is if you're producing a documentary you want to be you giving to your subjects. And you also don't need to be on camera. Exactly. Like, they could just have the talking heads referring to a producer off screen. But the fact that Dylan's even in all of the shots uh, standing side by side. Yeah, that tells you a lot. With cutaways to him being unaffected by their amazing oh, story God. that they're telling. Yeah. It really drags the whole thing down. And then he'll cut. They'll, uh, part of the documentary is him covering music from this era of Laurel Canyon. Uh with modern musicians like he'll he'll get um cat power regina specter these famous modern singers to do duets with and stuff so they'll be talking about a particular song and then cut to him on stage singing that song like their own version of it but it's like i don't know you're doing a basically a mediocre version of this epic song that we all know and love it really just feels like Jacob Dylan kind of masturbating in front of oh, all of us. Wow, that's yeah. that's that's pretty telling. Yeah, I like your. Um, that's a great way to put it. You know, that's what it felt like to yeah. me. But like you, I know <laughs> this would be the greatest if your review could run in like Variety magazine. I think there's so much truth. Like you're just being honest. That's yeah. just the way you felt about it. It was and mas- I trust masturbatory. You, I trust your. <laughs> I trust your opinions. You know, and so. Could you imagine if the, the headline of Variety magazine? <laughs> oh my God! Jacob Dylan Jack session. <laughs> no, Jacob Dylan's masturbation canyon. <laughs> Dude, oh, the thing Lord. is, I love you. Know I love Bob Dylan. I know, and I and I wanted to love this badly. If you loved Bob Dylan, you're gonna love Doc Watson because that's who Bob Dylan loved. Doc. So Watson. did you find Doc Watson based on uh, the the documentary? No, you like know what? The, I found Doc Watson before. I was at this... I think I told you I was invited to play music with these people. And in fact, one of the ladies was like, you got to watch Echoes mm-hmm. in the Canyon. And one of the guys is a super cool guy. His name's Todd. And he's a filmmaker from Santa Cruz. And he's on the board of directors with Surf Aid. And he's a guitar player. And we were jamming. We were having a little noodle. And he's like, dude, you should listen to Doc Watson. And I'm like, who's he? I didn't even know. I'm such a kook. I'm like, and he's like, you don't know who Doc Watson is? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, he's the guy that all of the radical folk guys looked up to, you know, back in the 60s or whatever. So anyway, that's who turned me on to Doc Watson was my friend Todd Hansen from Santa Cruz. Okay. Yeah. Somehow I'm unaware of Doc Watson. I think too. that's his last name, Hansen. Yeah. I mean, I think of, when I think of the guys that 
uh, informed that folk movement. I think Woody Guthrie, of course, is yes. someone that Dylan always references. I'm just getting into Woody Guthrie. He just starts in in, in episode two. They okay. start to talk about him. Okay, I do definitely need to watch that. How do you feel about Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil down at the crossroads and that whole lore? Well, that's more of kind of a blues story, but I, I mean, do I think it's real? Yeah. Do I think the devil appeared and said, I'll give you a, a record contract if you... I don't believe that. No? No, I don't believe that the devil physically manifested himself and... I think it's a great analogy. Why? Where did Robert Johnson? Metaphor. Where did Robert Johnson go for that weekend, and how did he come back? Such a profound talent. You know what? I don't know. These are great questions. I don't seriously know too much. I thought it was always just a metaphor. I didn't know that this actually occurred. Yeah, he was Robert Johnson. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? I'm just blown away. I was I'm there. Sorry, I'm learning. To, I'm learning new <laughs> shit all the time. Who knew? I was there. I thought dude. it was just like you know, like don't sell out. No, dude, Robert Johnson. Was like so. Wait, he wanted, went to a crossroads. Wanted to be prior to that. He wanted to be a musician, and he always had a guitar, and he tried to play it. And everybody knew, like that's what his desire was. He just wasn't very good. You know, he'd always practice, but just everybody knew he wasn't very good. He disappears for a weekend, comes back, and he's this profound talent, just like the best guitar blues player ever. And. Everybody goes, what the heck happened? Like, how'd you learn so quickly? You were terrible on Friday. You're amazing on Monday. And he goes, well, I went down to the crossroads. I was down at the, like hitchhiking or something. And um, the devil appro- appeared and approached and made a deal with me. I sold my soul to the devil for the gift of what did the devil guitar. Just his his soul. soul at the age of 27. Mm-hmm. So that is why. And it turns out that now the lore. Oh, this is all a, these people die at age yes. 27? Like, so the lore is that. All these uh, kind of iconic, not just musicians, but iconic musicians have yeah. still been paying Robert Johnson's debt to the devil at the age of 27. And so we're talking like Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis, Janis Joplin, Joplin, Amy Winehouse. Jim Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a giant <laughs> list. This sounds like the craziest conspiracy theory ever. Or, or is so crazy it's true. <laughs> Here's what I do know. That occasionally guitar players can have major breakthroughs, and their their level of guitar ability can just get way better with one of these breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And it could just be that he had a breakthrough, like he met some guy that's like, "Dude, just do this. <laughs> like, here's how you're gonna do the turnaround on these songs. You know, here's your bridge. Do this for the bridge." And all of a sudden, he's like, "Oh, I can connect them. Mm-hmm. Connect the chords. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? One, four, five. Wow. Thank you very much." And you know, he had a cup of coffee with the guy, and he's like. And then all of a sudden he sounds way better because, I mean, how much better could he have? Like, he's not that great. He's not Jimi Hendrix. He's just connecting one, four, or five chords with a turnaround. Fair enough. Then why, did it, why is everybody dying at 27? Because um, they're not. There's just, when you look at the swath of, the, of guitar players or a swath of musicians or luminary types, there are many great ones that didn't die at 27. Like, how do you explain them? How do you explain Eric Clapton didn't die at 27? Uh, How do you explain all these people that didn't die at 27? So what I'm saying is the ones that did die at 27, random conspiracy. When you take drugs, you die. No, because Clapton did a ton of drugs. Yeah, that's my point. He didn't die. Right, exactly. Thank you. You made my point. Well, that's a different point. Keith Richards. Yeah. My point is is that if you get a 1,000 people, yeah, five of them are going to die at the age of 27. Ten of them are going to die at the age of 28. Right. I but if the devil collected everybody's soul, then it would be 
problematic. And then I think like there'd be a real battle. How does the devil collect a soul? Like how does this? How does this? Ask Robert Johnson. How does this literally? How old was Robert Johnson when he died? Twenty-seven. That's uh, the point. That's, that's where this all started. Okay, gotcha. Um, so let me ask you this: Why is it though? You believe in God? Yes. And you're Christian. Yes. Then why? Then it would stand to reason that the devil does exist, and the devil could broker such deals. Um. Well, I believe that that God is love, and I believe that, um, you know, I, I, first of all, I don't know. Like, that's the beauty of, I, I don't know. Mm. I'm, I'm not the expert. All but I know you, is I have faith in a higher power. I choose to call it God, and it's my personal thing, and it's really nobody's business, and I'm not here to sell it or to tell it. But it would stand to reason with that belief system that the no, devil No, you don't exist. know my belief system. That's just it. You think that I have this, like, Judeo-Christian, like... Bible literal literal um, reading of the Bible thing, which I, I keep it really simple. Love people, but okay. And everything if happens in God's if world. A, by if there's a free. love system, yeah. isn't there a counterpoint to that that would be yeah, an hate. evil system? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure, hate. So he could be brokering deals. Who? Whoever that is. Hate. Yeah. Hate. The hate, hate personified? System. You mean President Trump? <laughs> oh, no. Dude, we covered no. religion and oh, politics already the in the first the 10 minutes. You know how many emails I'm going to get? People are going to hate on me so hard. That's that, okay. That's I'm my point. Pr- I get you to tell your beliefs and I never share yeah, mine so that you get the emails. You cash the checks speaking, and I don't. Speaking of which, <laughs> yes. what, how'd your lunch with Rainbow go? It was great. I really enjoyed it. So people... They've heard Rainbow. So Chris is... Uh, Rainbow is a guy from New Zealand who's, who listens to a lot of podcasts and listens to ours as, as part of his um, routine. And, um, and he was in town. He was in, He's from New Zealand. From New Zealand. Flew here with his girlfriend. And a super smart guy. I had a great cup of coffee with him and his girl. And uh, it was super fun. I enjoyed it so immensely. Rainbow's been listening since day one. He's been listening to your show since before you and I linked up. Yeah. And... Um, has been sending us feedback all the time and his feedback is incoherent at times. And so you and I make jokes and we've even read them on air just cause there's in some of them, the ones that are coherent are profound and like really make, he makes really good points as well. He's very t- intelligent. I know, but I was, I was apprehensive. I, after all these emails for all these years, I'm like, all right, man, this guy could be full on crazy. I'm not sure what to expect. He was the nicest dude ever. I was so glad that we spent time together. And he gave me a bunch of gifts. By the way, I have a bottle of wine for your wife that I was supposed to bring you. Oh, um, cause well, he that's gave, nice of him. Yeah, he gave me a bunch of bottles of wine and some other stuff. And a t-shirt. I forgot your t-shirt, too. I should too. have brought him Dang something. It. Damn. Anyways, I He's was very... cool, man. I enjoyed it. He's a great guy. You know, he was on... He probably told you, maybe. I don't know. But he was... Um, he was sort of a luminary with the international uh, New Zealand surfing team back in, I think, the 90s. He was like a judge, traveling, you know, coach, mentor type. Really? For, for the Australian, uh, for the New Zealand, the Kiwi national surf team. I didn't know that. Yeah, they went to Japan for the ISAs. And, oh, you guys covered a lot of ground. He's dude. very, um, he's a very smart guy. Totally smart. And, sure. uh, I'm so glad we got to meet him. Great knowledge of surf history, too. Yeah. Because I met him here at Shack, and we walked around the museum, and, yeah, the guy knows a lot about surf. He has surfing. a great memory. He's remembering totally. shit that I said. I'm like, I don't That's a good saying that. I do that all the time. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Um, what are you going to do? Well, what do we got to catch up on? A lot. Um, I've got look, emails and stuff. I but do, too. You, okay. um, let me look at my Instagram, because there's one that I want to read 
relating to our last episode. So here I'm pulling it up now, and here it is. It's from Marcos. Oh gosh, we get no internet connection here. <laughs> he brought up some great points here. He says, "Hey, big fan of Spit Podcast and all of your other podcasts." Really happy of you to talk about our lovely country in Portugal. This is from Marcos, and he, he doesn't write or speak English perfectly, so bear with me. I'm reading directly what he says. Okay. I just have to make a few corrections to you guys. When you talk about the walk, it's not the way to Sao Domingos. It's the way to Santiago, to Compostela. It's not in Portugal. It's in Spain, in Galiza. Really close to Pantin here. They have the WSL here. Jake Marshall is doing it this year. I don't know what that means. It's a place here. The rem- it's a place where there are the remains of the Apostle Saint Tiago, which I'm guessing I don't know. So that talk that you and I had about mm-hmm. the way it's the um, it's this walk from Santiago to Compostela in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the walk that brought Christianity to the area. Mm-hmm. And there are apparently lots of places you can begin this walk, from the south of Spain to the Basque Country and from Portugal. There's different ways to eventually end up at the final destination, which is, I think, this place where the apostle is laid to rest. Uh, then he goes on to say that Portugal is the second oldest country in the world, after Luxembourg. I didn't know that. With the boundaries as we know them, from 1297. Um, Magic Quiver, the original, was not made from Marius. Was Magic Quiver the name of the lightning bolt store? I'm wondering. No. I'm trying to figure it out. No, I was telling you that Magic Quiver um, is owned by this guy, Mario, who he's talking about, that I linked up with. Oh, that's who has, right. like, the restaurant, the surf hostel, or the hotel. Okay, so the original Magic Quiver was not made by Mario. The concept was made from two Portuguese friends when they had a trip to Byron Bay. And they had um, difficulty to sell the concept because they were ahead of the time. The store went almost bankrupt, and they sold the store to Mario. Is it Mario or yeah. Mario's? Mario. Mario, and with money, was it was much easier for it to take off. Please, next time you guys come to visit Portugal, it would be my pleasure to show you our country and the spots and take you to the magic spots. Keep up the great job you're doing in Surf We Trust. Thanks, Marcos. Very cool. And then he sent great pictures of recent surf and stuff. And so, yeah, just said, thanks. Thank you very much, Marcos. We're very psyched. Good info. Um, I've got one for you that I'd love to get your critical analysis on, Scott. Yes. Adam said, quote, I'm looking forward to the day when the surfing world wakes up and realizes... A spinning Idolo landing in the flats is not radical surfing. It's just stupid stunts. In the heat against Jack Freestone, Idolo was awarded handsomely for his spinning top impressions. Whereas Jack, who performed an alley-oop in the most critical part of the wave and landed into the transition, was underscored. There is an equivalent in skateboarding. YouTube is full of clips showing riders dropping into bowls and performing flips and spins as they fly out and then land on the flat deck. It's not that hard to do. Wow, that's really good insight, you know. And, that, and I tell you, I think that we're all constantly sort of trying to play catch up to what's happening. And when I say we all, I mean the judges and, and you and I, the consumers of this content. Um, and there's some people that are really hip to it, like this guy and probably guys that are closer to it, like Cote. Closer and, to skating. Yeah, closer to what it's all about, you know. Like it's it's... You know, it's he brings up a great point. You know, Does landing know? in the flats, just lame relative to landing in the transition. Well, 
Or are they just I don't, apples and oranges? I think they're apples and oranges. Like, I kind of wanted to agree with what he was saying. Yeah. Except if Idolo did that spin and landed at the back of the wave, that would be the equivalent to landing on the deck for the yeah. skateboarder. Yeah. Which, yeah, you land on the back of the wave, that's way... I could do that, you know? So he's landing in the bottom of the bowl, which is really difficult. Like, you break your legs when you do that. Yeah. I do think that landing in the transition is the ideal thing. Like, I think that's the but most it's smoothest. Easier. It's the most... Sty- I don't care. I think it's smooth and stylish. And I think you want to be in the wave phase. I don't think you want to be down at the bottom of the wave because you lose speed down there. If you land flat in the flats, you, you're, all your speed it's gone if you land in the transition you've got some v- vertical momentum to i know to but get speed and to do a bottom turn often when needle is landing in the flats it's the closeout section so there's no more wave to be ridden anyways which brings up another point you know and again i speak from ignorance i'm not really an expert here but you know if there's no more wave to be ridden anyway maybe it shouldn't be scored as highly like i want to see that move where you land in the transition and then do three huge hacks and get tubed on the inside and come out and maybe do an alley-oop or whatever you know like like if it's the end if if it's if that's all your wave is is like pump down the line and do uh whatever he did i saw it i don't even know what they're called do that move and land in the flats and that's the wave i don't maybe it's a 3.7 not a 6.7 i you know and i think it's difficult for the judges i i do think it's a hard place for the wsl and for everyone all of us everyone's trying to wrap their heads around what is this new thing you know and how much of it do we just glom on and go that's the most incredible thing ever and how much of it do we go yeah that's great but there's more to riding a wave than just that i I like the direction that adam's going i want to dig in kind of analyze it as we move forward but i don't think surfing is unique in that you can't just say landing in the transitions harder full stop landing in the flats is easier full stop because every individual wave you need to be able to assess critically they're all unique. And and so the 10 that Idolo got in the final against Jordy, it was a closeout. And there was only an opportunity to do, to do one turn. And he did the raddest possible maneuver that we've seen. Anybody at this point in surfing's evolution, that was the pinnacle of what you could do on that section. And so, yeah, he landed in the flats. And yes, it was only one turn. But it is the pinnacle of our sport at this moment, you know. Well, it's, and it is that because it's so difficult. Like, the, the question is, could Jordy do that? And the answer is no. Correct. And not very many people can. There might be, like, four people. Like, I don't know. Idolo, Gabe, um, Felipe, and maybe Kelly, or... No. <laughs> <laughs> Jordy is in the conversation of people who could do it, I would argue. Yeah, but... It, and then there's, then there's like, who, who can actually do it with the jersey on when it matters. Like, Idolo was doing it, like... Like it was a bottom turn. Like it was no yeah. big deal. I mean, honestly, we haven't talked about Portugal yet. And maybe we weren't going to do it today because it's kind of uh, not news anymore. So I'll just touch on it. That is the difference between Idolo and everybody else in that moment. Um, is that he has a world title on the line. And it's the penultimate event of the season. And he's in the final. And he knows how to stomp a 10 with all those things on the line. Jordy gets up on a wave and surfs it to a six as if as if a title isn't on the line. And that is the difference between who's going to be world champ and who isn't. Jordy, if you're not going to crescendo at the penultimate event in the final, what are you doing? What does penultimate mean? The second to the final. Okay. Yeah. Good work. The final and then the second to the final. So you're like the penultimate to me. <laughs> <laughs> the penultimate <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> no. We'll, so, let, we'll let the fans point. weigh like, in on that. That's a good point. You know, like, Jordy, it's, just, cl- it's between his ears and, and 
Idla seems to be such a free spirit with a jersey on. It just does not matter to him. It's, but I, I was so confused. Jordy, the fir- he got the first wave, and it was like a Midland-sized wave. It wasn't like a, real, a set wave. He did a floater, a carve, and an end section floater. And I'm thinking, why would you even go on that wave? This is, I mean, this is a world title on the line. You're in a final in Portugal. You know you're not going to beat Idola with a six or with any six in your line score line. Why would you go? And if you do go, do a flip. You got to, if you go on that wave, you have to get, do something insane. And sure enough, he posts a six. Idola was on the very next set wave out the back and posts a 10. Jordy. That was actually the highest score that Jordy got through the heat. He basically laid down after that. It was like, oh, well, Edelman well, got the 10. That's something that I was just thinking about when you were bringing it up, when you were talking about this. That when you're in a heat with Edelo or Felipe, for that matter, and probably Gabe, and you're Jack Freestone or Chloe Andino or Jordy Smith, you cannot surf from behind. With, In other words, you have to be the first one to lay down the law. You have to be the first one to catch the wave and do the most insane aerial thing. You need to let them know that you mean business. Yeah. seems to me that if they go out there, do a spin, get a 10, and you're sitting on a four, you're just like, oh. I, there's, and now there's all this pressure on you to actually do it. You're a little bit more free-spirited and sprightly when you're the first one to attempt it and go for it because you're kind of like, whatever, let's just go. Yeah. And now... You know, so my point is, those guys have to be the first one to stake claim to, hey, I'm here to do aerials and screw you, watch me fly. Yeah. And that's, I think, the only way. I think as soon as one of those other guys nails some crazy turn, no, some aerial, it's like dagger in the coffin. Or, no, dagger in the coffin? Nail in the coffin. There you go. Thank you. Uh, dagger in the heart? But why even go on the... Six point weight. I agree. Like, no, I'm it, just saying it you, doesn't. You got to go into the heat with what, the mindset that I'm going to do mind? an aerial before he so does he, an aerial. Jordy either completely had like a main, uh, brain lapse, like forgot that he was in a final, or just did, had no strategy going into the final. I can't speak it's to weird. his mental state. It's always been, I think, problematic. You yeah, know? I mean, it was bizarre. Yeah. Does he anyway, coach? Of course. He yeah. Does. Well, Chris Gallagher was Chris yeah. Stone, I should say, was, but now he's doing the Olympic thing. So. Hmm. Um, we I've got, got more emails. Oh, yeah, too. well, I, I've got one, too. Go um, Best Coast sent us something to say, hey, um, I just want to let you know that Medina losing in that heat to um, Kyle. Kyle didn't send the world title to Pipeline. In fact, it was Felipe Toledo losing, Correct. which sent the world title chase to Pipeline. Yeah, so, yeah that's I true. think I might have misspoken. I, I definitely misspoke, but I knew that was true. I just worded it incorrectly. Over the, um, so Renee sent an email saying... Dear David, the analogy that I look at when assessing where wave pools will take us is from rock climbing, another sport that I love. Despite the proliferation of artificial climbing walls in indoor gyms and the whole circuit or competition circuit devoted to them, nobody really believes that they can come even close to providing the experience of climbing outdoors on real rock. There are sensations, feelings, sights, and adventures that one experience provides that the other simply doesn't. While numerically, it's likely that at this point, there are more climbers inside than outside. The center of gravity of the world's, of the sports culture, the focus of the highest ambitions, and certainly the photography, film, and writing that surrounds it remain welded or wedded to massive cliffs of granite and limestone, not color-coded plastic, end quote. I think that's true, and I don't think that's 
anything that you and I don't already know and agree with. But, but um, we're always trying to draw comparisons, and I think that's the best comparison to the wave pool. It's a good one, except that most wave pools, in fact, everyone that I know of, is outside, whereas rock climbing gyms are inside, so you do get a sort of generic kind of air-conditioned vibe, which is kind of weird. Whereas at least, like at Waco or whatever, these new installations that are coming in, you could actually kind of make some backdrops that make it a little bit not quite as um, engineering, like an engineering vibe, you know, yeah, like you can yeah. do. So I think because wave pools are outside, it does, it, you know, the wind's blowing, the birds are there. There's a little bit more nature. Than, there is but it more, is a good comparison. There's more nature, but it's the most apt comparison I've it is. seen yet. It's a good one. It is a good one for sure. Yeah. And, and, and we all know that the, the, the epitome, you know, the, like it's always going to come down to um, just as El Cap is is the climbing culture's you know sort of alpha um certainly piper chopo or these spots are going to be jaws these are going to be the spots that will always capture our imagination because they're just they're fascinating yeah i ran into dave pro proden did you really I ran into dave proden where cardiff reef no totally way. random yeah it was cool he was just happened to be down there he's taking his young son out surfing but um He's, I asked him about that Brazilian storm documentary that I was telling you about that I thought was going to raise a lot of hell, you know? Yeah. And he said that it, they're not sure when that's going to come out. And the problem is, is that this was one of those partnering deals the WSL had with a guy in Brazil, a producer in Brazil. And the producer in Brazil is really the guy that's pulling the, the distribution strings and when this thing will be shown. And so they can't necessarily say when it's going to come out and so my gut feeling is it's probably not going to come out before hawaii which is unfortunate because mm. it would make for a really good sort of foundational kind of fun place to start before we dive into the hawaiian season hmm. yeah hmm. bummer yeah are you familiar i don't think we talked about it kelly slater's hbo documentary that's coming out next month uh, no i'm not familiar i think is it a wsl thing no hbo thing an HBO documentary. It's called Twenty Four Seven. I think it's a series that they do. Oh, but they're he's, doing. He's they've been one filming one with Kelly, oh. and they're supposed to release it in I'm not, early December. I can kind of tell you what that's going to be like already. I thought that I could until that Soundwaves episode with Kelly. And was that part of it? No, but the Soundwaves episode made me much more interested to see what's going on in Kelly's mind, like the the interesting thing about it isn't kelly versus pipeline or kelly versus the brazilian storm it's kelly versus kelly like kelly's in his own head and he's insecure about whether or not he can still you know compete with all of these people where well to you and i it's like dude you've already won 11 world titles you have nothing to prove anymore you're welcome to take your bow at this point and move on. But the fact that he still has these demons well, where he's trying to prove himself is yes, really fascinating. Exactly. No, that's where you nailed it. It's, it's, it's this, um, when you say, oh, look, you've got 11 world ties, you have nothing left to prove anymore. Then the question is, well, then what have I got left to prove? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's where he has, he's having, I don't want to look, I don't want to say he's having a midlife crisis, but you know, we, we look at some of these guys that are 33 that drop off the tour and like, God, what are they doing with their lives? You know, and they, there's, it's a struggle. It's a sincere problem for guys that are sort of untrained for the workforce to figure out what to do when yeah. you're 33. And I think in some regard, even though Kelly doesn't have those struggles, the same, he has that same sort of anxiety of like, what is chapter two for me? You know, and chapter, I guess 14, well, whatever him, the yeah. next chapter, what is the next chapter? And, 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 
obviously everyone goes, oh, well, it's business, you know. Kelly, you've got so many business opportunities. And he does. But I don't think he wants that. I think he wants... All he knows is winning. Well, that is the crux. And that's... We all have recognized... Maybe me more than you have recognized he's already aged out. Like, dude, you haven't been winning for five years now. So you're not going to win at your own wave pool that you designed. I don't... You know, here's what's interesting, right? You know what he won in 2016? Chopa. Three years ago, right? Chopa? Is that it? I don't even know if he won Chopa. He won Wave of the Winter. He won Surfline's Wave of the Winter. Mm. It might even been 2018 or was it 2016. Anyway, it was a couple years ago. I remember that wave. That was it an was insane. insane wave. It was an insane wave. And it was an insane winter for Wave of the Winter right. entries. Right. There was just... It was incredible. And he won Wave of the Winter. Yeah. Like, so he can still win because what's fascinating is that our culture and our content and the way we look at competitions is going more and more towards this, let's take a big global look at things and then pick which was really the best one yeah. rather than this four-hour time frame. Yeah. So I think he needs to look at that and go, you know what, I'm still winning. And I'm saying to you that he still is winning, but maybe not in that construct of that you know, four-day surf contest. Or world title over the course of a season. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. So okay. I, I agree with you. He's unbelievably talented and the best surfer in the world when the waves are big and barreling at a reef break but he's not going to win a world title again there's no question in my mind about that and the fact that he thinks that that. he does and he's also not even going to win at surf ranch he's not going to win at snapper he's not going to win at france portugal most stops on tour so the fact that he still thinks that he is and he's conflicted about why he can't get more than two eighths at surf ranch like, it was a foregone conclusion that Gabriel's going to win that event. For him to be sitting yeah, there... That's a, that's a bad analogy. It's not. I mean, no, it's exactly what, use, what Soundwaves was about. Wave. That's what let's that episode a, was about. But let's use a real wave. I mean, that, that's that's, Dude, a, he, that's an outlier. No, this is the precise conversation. Is He's sitting on the exercise bike at Surf Ranch looking out at the wave going, am I good enough? And his girlfriend is saying, Kelly... Yes, you're good enough. You built this wave. Like, you are good enough. Go out there and, like, have confidence. And that's what he's struggling with. That's the crux of why this is so interesting to me, is that in his head, he's still struggling with this thing that is very obvious to everybody on the outside. But if you want to have a conversation about where he's the best surfer in the world, I agree with you. Like, that, I'll have that conversation, too. And if Pipe's pumping, he can win that event. If Chopu's pumping, he can win that event. But that's not what makes the documentary interesting, and that's not what well, HBO maybe, should be maybe, focusing on. Yeah, we don't know, right? We don't know what the documentary is going to be about. Do we? Hopefully, do it's you? about no. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Hopefully, well, it's about Kelly's hope, conflict with Kelly. I have confidence in HBO and their production team. I do too. They'll yeah. put out something good. I hope it's not what I think it is, which, which is be. over, overly controlled. Um, you know. Kelly Slater, isn't he great? Like, I hope it's more about the it demons yeah. than it is about, hey, everyone, Kelly's here. Let's talk about Outer Known. You know, There's what, no you know, chance that This guy's the greatest. Like, we already know he's the greatest. You know what? We already know he built a wave. And we already know he's blah, blah. You know, like, what we want to know is what's really what you and I are talking about right now. There's What's no, really going on. There's no chance that the HBO would do, like, a flowery... I agree. Yeah. And here's, by the way... Even though, I mean, we've spent more time on the podcast discussing Kelly Slater than any other surfer, I'm sure. It's because he's the best. He's the most interesting. This <laughs> is, interesting. I love, the only people that are even worth talking about, really, at length, Kelly, Gabriel, and to a certain degree, John John. But, like, Gabriel, 
because of these uh, these things, it has nothing to do with their surfing. Yeah. It has to do with the fact that Gabriel actually has some passion and he's fighting for something. There's right. this internal there's battle that he's having yeah. that he has to prove to something. Like, that then gives us hours of content right. to uh, analyze. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It made me start to think, okay, who are the most fascinating surfers? And in my mind, those are the top surfers in the world. And it's not the top five necessarily. No. You know, like I think of, and I, the reason I rolled my eyes when you said John John is because he's kind of been off the radar, at least off of my radar. Maybe he's out there. I don't know. But the most interesting surfers in the world right now are, are um, you know, Gabe's definitely there, right? Um, I think Idolo's there. Idolo's a very interesting guy. Not, not so much. I don't know anything about him. He yeah. seems happy. Um, the most interesting surfers in the world, um, probably Albie Layers, probably right there, maybe. Um, They're not on tour. I know. Yeah. No, I'm just saying who's the most like because to my mind those are the ones that I agree are the are, you know the most relevant. So this most is relevant is what I'm talking about. That I agree Kai with Lenny. you completely. And so this has been a conversation that's come up in a number of um, conversations that, I, that I've had recently, which is surfing used to be a lot more interesting. When you look back at the era where people weren't making millions of dollars doing it, they worked real jobs and had real struggles in life and didn't spend all year, you know, traveling to the best waves on the planet and then just surfing those waves once they arrived in that location. They actually struggled, spent probably most of their time struggling to get to the location then got skunked a bunch of the time because they didn't have modern forecasting and so characters whether it's dora or wayne lynch or nat young like those people developed very interesting character are you interviewing nat young by the way i already did um, last was it good week. it was good yeah. yeah he's pretty smart yeah i mean and he's into politics and he's in, he's yeah. written a bunch you know he well reads spoken. a ton yeah. like he was a model for Vogue, like so. Yeah. That let's go back these here. are compelling yeah. characters right. because they had all of this other um, other inputs into their life. Whereas the modern WCT surfer makes a lot of money. They have all of these handlers around them solving all of the problems, whether they're it's boring. rental cars, and then their only focus is to show up and spend a bunch of time in the water. They're boring. And then when they do put out this, hey, this is who I am thing, it's just so fake and vanilla and kind of lame like, it, it really who's the most boring like let's get a list of like vanilla guys that you're just like really i don't even care i hate to even say or it does that mean are we being too it's mean? a it's a little bit mean and it's not their fault yeah like okay, let's not go there. it's but kind of a reflection about the ones that are who's the most interesting i so well no i'm gonna do the most uninteresting real quick because i referenced this recently what qualifies as personality on the ct now is if you wear a hat. Like, if you wear, like, a full-brim hat that doesn't have your sponsor logo on it, Joe Turpel will reference that for the next six events and be like, he has such cool style. You know, like, that qualifies as style. Or Connor Coffin playing a couple licks on his guitar on Instagram, that becomes... He has so much personality, you know? And mm -hmm. I'm not even shaming Connor Coffin. Like, good on you. Like, do what you want to do. But that isn't personality. You yeah, know what I mean? I personality is Gabe frothing and flipping off the jet like he's wearing his emotions on his sleeve connor coffin it shows that he has an interest but that's not showcasing yeah. his you know his yeah. his passion you know yeah i don't need actually no, that, i think you nailed it that's an interest he has a hobby but we don't know any we haven't learned anything about his value system his beliefs 
His we just haven't his seen parental Ronis. upbringing. We haven't seen Ron. And that's why Gabe might be the most interesting surfer in the world. Right? Kelly's more interesting. It's Kelly and Gabe, and who else is super interesting? I, get, I don't even know if Kai's interesting. Kai Lenny's just incredible. He's, yeah, but I don't. I, I don't necessarily think they put out a lot about. He's a little bit um, overhandled, probably. As probably, far as, management. Yeah, I, I get some interest out of uh, Jeremy Flores. I love Jeremy Flores. He should be. They should put out more stuff on him. When I say they, I mean he should put himself out there because he's great. Jeremy's more interesting than he is a good surfer in my mind. Yes, I mean he's Which a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal surfer. I've yeah. just he's been surfing the exact same way for the last ten years. Yeah, but he's. I'm always interested to see what he's going to say, you know, or or just how he's going to get upset in a heat because he will showcase some of that passion. Yeah, I'm trying to think of guys that are just that, that you just kind of like. It's funny because I was just like, well, Barton Lynch is pretty interesting. <laughs> he was at a time. <laughs> he still is. He's, I mean, he's happy now and content, I mean, he, and he's insightful. You get you get insight into who he is, too. Yeah, he's way. insightful. Um, I've got one more email if you want to hear it because sure. it dovetails with what we're talking about. Okay. He said, um, listener said, ran a few numbers for the seating round for every event this year, excluding the Freshwater Pro, and the average score for each position is, and the judging, actually, uh, I'm confused. I'm confused. No, I'm confused by his sentence. But he said, first place, this is for the seeding round, so like the first round. First place average score is 12.36. Second place is 10.49. And third place is 8.43. So the average score for first place in the seeding round is only 12.36. So that means that you watch the entire seeding round and the average for the first place surfer is a pair of sixes. So he said you can compare that to any round apart from the elimination rounds and it's heaps lower, which means that they're either surfing in crappy conditions or they don't, or they have a lot to lose, uh, so they hold back. Or the surfers ranked 20 to 32 are not in the same league as the top 20. All, either, all of those things. Exactly, he's like, we need to eliminate the uh Eliminate the losers round one, have the field cut to 16, yes. or just have more stops at places like Fiji, you know, good good quality been, been waves. saying that what, what you and I have been professing the, for years. So the stats prove it out, though. Yes. If the elimination round, the first round, you get pairs of sixes to win, it's not worth watching. Yeah. And the argument is, oh, they fly all the way around the world. They should be able to surf two heats. You know, it's like, no. Nope. They shouldn't. They yeah. shouldn't be on tour if they're... Yeah. If that's... Exactly. You know. um, I have some world title scenarios. Yep. Are you interested? I am. Okay. I first started this because I'm like, okay, who do I want to win the world title? I looked at the rankings and I'm like, I looked at them all and I'm like, who's the American? And it's Kaloe. Kaloe's number five, right? So, understanding that's where I started, I could give you Kaloe's title scenarios, or I could start with Idolo and just go down. Give me Kaloe. So, Kaloe can win the world title this year if he gets first place at Pipe, and Felipe, Jordi, Gabe, and Idolo get a ninth or worse. They all have to get ninth or worse. So this is not going to happen. We don't know that. I'm gonna I'm gonna we make predictions. You give me the scenarios. I'll make predictions. I would say the percentage of that happening is zero. 
<laughs> you gotta give on them, a statistical. Yeah, like it's got to be one percent. Nope. It, no, no. It's statistically, less than one. no, no. Statistically, statistically, seriously, like if you ran numbers, it would probably be like three percent. I'd be less than ninety-seven. Gabriel Gabriel's never not made the quarterfinals. That's why it's three percent. I'm not saying it's thirty percent. I'm saying it's three percent. And then if you factor that in with those other people not making what they need to make, it's impossible. Felipe, Zero Jody, percent. Gabe, Nidolo need to get a ninth or worse. Yeah, for Kaloi to win, and and Kaloi has to win the whole thing. So Felipe could get ninth or worse. Jordy definitely, could definitely could could. Idolo less likely, and Gabriel impossible. Okay, so Kaloi Kaloi can also win the world title if he gets a second place at pipe and Jordy, Gabe, and Elo get 17th or worse and if that's the case Felipe gets 9th, let's say Jordy, Gabe, and Elo get a 17th or worse, Kaloe gets second place in the final and Felipe gets a ninth place Felipe and him tie what do yeah. they do in a tie break? Who knows? That's a question for Dave. I know. I forget what happens in the tiebreak sitch. Uh, but, like, look, reality, Chloe's not even going to make the final at pipe, period. Okay. I'm just giving so, you, if you're rooting for Chloe, if you're, like, a fan of the North American United States of America, and you want the North American United States of America surfer to win the world title, Chloe's your guy. And I'm just giving you those so scenarios. For, for all you racists out there, this is your racist. Scenario. This is your scenario. Are the Olympics racist? Yes, the Olympics are wildly racist. <laughs> oh my God. It's not racist. It's pride in nation. Nationalistic pride. Nationalism. To the point of um, rooting for the ber- flag, berating the others, and subjugating the others. This starts to sound <laughs> awfully like you are a racist. That's crazy. I, I am. Know. What are you talking about? I'm okay. saying I don't even see color. Oh I just want the who best said, surfer to win. You said the c word. What's the like c word? Color. Can't even believe um, you said that. So You're hey, so bad. So why do you have to be like that? Kaloe won't even make the final period. All right. You want me to give you the Edelo rundown, which is more I want you to do each of them. Okay. Well, Dave only sent me the Edelo rundown. If Edelo. Ferrari wins. We're going to call him Ferrari. <laughs> Italian Ferrari. If it, we Italian, forgot about that. I know. Idolo's easier to say. If Idolo wins pipe, he clinches the world title. Done. Period. Period. He's in first going into pipe. He is in first. Yeah, okay. If Idolo gets second, Gabe Medina and Philippe Toledo will need a first place to take the world title from Idolo. So if Gabe or Felipe win and Idolo gets second, Idolo does not get the world title if Idolo gets a third at pipe Gabriel needs to get a second Felipe and Jordan would Jordy would need a first basically Gabriel needs to do one heat better than Idolo to clinch I think so yeah if Idolo gets fifth Gabe needs a third Felipe a second Jordy a first yeah if Idolo gets ninth Gabe needs a fifth Felipe needs a third Jordy needs a second Kaloe and Dino needs a first yeah and if Idolo gets 17th or worse Gabriel and Felipe will need a ninth, Jordi in a fifth, and Chloe a second. So that's kind of what I... So basically, um, it's a pretty tight race between those sort of those top three, maybe throw Felipe in there too. Felipe's not going to do well. At, like, the odds of him doing well are already slim, but him doing better than those guys are not... That's just not going to happen. The wild card uh, to me is Elo. 
He seems to be the wild card. I don't see Gabe. We know Gabe's going to do well. Yeah, I it's don't see no Gabe brainer. giving it up. I think Gabe doesn't do well. We'd be surprised. And if he doesn't do at least one heat better than Idolo, I'd be shocked. I think this is Gabe's to lose. I could. I agree. Totally yeah. agree with yeah. that. But it could be Gabe losing in the semis and Idolo advancing, and we have our champion. Yeah. But so, what is the strategy here for? the bottom three guys like poison Gabe <laughs> yeah just like get some E. coli and spread it around the night food. before yeah the night before yeah. like really bad poisoning this is a good strategy yeah here's the downside of that strategy yeah the event lasts over multiple days so if they do they poison him on night one no no you poison him like you know before finals day okay yeah. All right. I'm not against this. <laughs> uh, this, this is, is this is Idolo's work to do, by the way. Yeah, Idolo. Idolo's the one who needs to really right. go Kerrigan style. Get some like get Timmy Patterson to like shuttle the E. coli around. <laughs> um, <Go down. laughs> I've never heard anybody put the emphasis on the coli. E. coli. Yeah. yeah. How do you say it? I don't, e. coli. E. coli. E. coli. <laughs> It sounds Ecolo like an Italian nephew. <laughs> e. coli, fetch the cheese. Um, how excited okay. are you about the women's race? None. Really? None more or less. You know where it takes place this year? Sunset? Pipe. Wow, that'd be amazing if it did. Oliva. Ha- Honolulu. What? Doesn't it always take place there? Yeah, that's why I was shocked that you didn't know. I, did, I thought you were throwing <laughs> me a curveball. I was. It was disguised. It was a softball disguised as a curveball. So, Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson, Caroline Marks. I'll give you the rundown, but who's your call out of those three? Do you know who those people are? I do. And I like all three of them. Okay. I do. And I don't like necessarily, you know, I think that um, Carissa's the best surfer of them. Lakey's very close. She's incredible. Yeah. Carol Marks is a little has a little rough yeah. edge to her style that I'm not necessarily like like if I had a daughter I do have a daughter and if I was to tell my daughter hey you should emulate this person of those three it would be either Carissa or Lakey yeah I wouldn't say hey study Carolyn Marks now, I know that, Carolyn's that's sort what of, you almost love about her though is that raw yeah she's kind of yeah she's kind of raw she's kind of like a young uh, Adriano de Souza no yeah when Adriano first oh. came on tour it's kind of like square and raw yeah. and a little bit just... Auk is the best comparison, I think. She's not as smooth as Auk. But she's got the same lead foot, full like full power, obviously. I think Damien Hardman's a better example, actually. Like You're like, I would never want my son to surf like Damien Hardman. <laughs> Although he shreds. See, I, I think love you're underselling Damo. her. I think you're right about Auk and Damo, but I think you're underselling Caroline. I think Caroline is smoother than you've acknowledged maybe i just um, in 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 reference to these other two she's doesn't have as polish yeah so i am shocked that carissa doesn't just win everything me too she's that much better than me everybody too. it's crazy how good she is and if you frankly if you came up to me and you go god it's amazing carissa's won the last 10 world titles i'd be like yeah i know yeah i know like, I, like, like, yeah. I wouldn't blink i'd be like of course she did i know it's crazy that she has half as many as stephanie i think of them as being like equally as accomplished i know so, anyways, but Carissa, I think, is more competitively 
I don't know what the phrase I want to use. I just think Carissa's... Because Steph is pretty polished competitively. I don't want to say that Steph's not polished competitively, but Carissa, to me, if you were to put one of the girls on the men's tour, Carissa is the one that would go the furthest. Yeah. I think she is, she's got the most well-rounded... I don't want to say she surfs like a guy, but she carves well, a mean bitch in roundhouse cutback. And she does airs and stuff. Like, she's got the most well-rounded, and she gets barreled at back door. Like, she's got the most well-rounded game, I'd say, out of any yeah. of the women. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, I think both her and Steph have a lot of holes in their competitive game still. The shocking... The reason why she hasn't won as many as you and I think that she has is because she, she never stumbles competitively. Yeah. yeah, like, why is she even... Why hasn't she already clinched if she's that much better? Um, here's the rundown at Honolulu. If Carissa finishes equal or higher to both Lakey and Caroline, she wins the title. If Lakey loses before the semifinals, Lakey cannot win the title. If Lakey makes the semifinals, she must finish at least one spot ahead of Carissa to win the title. And then Caroline's role is even harder. If Caroline loses before the final, she can't win. If she makes the final, she must finish at least two spots ahead of Carissa and at least one spot ahead of Lakey. And then if Caroline gets second, Carissa must lose in the semis, Lakey must lose in the semis, and Lakey and Caroline will have a surf-off for the title. So apparently that's what happens when there's a There could be a three-way surf-off. Yeah. According to what Dave sent me. Okay. For the women? Yeah, for the women. Okay. If Carissa gets a fifth, ninth, or 17th, Lakey needs a third and Carolina second to force a three-way surf-off. So that would mean that, um, what's her name? Um, who's the young gal from Australia? Who's the girl from Australia that would be in the final then? Stephanie, or no, um, maybe Steph, but who's the other one? I'm not sure. Been on the tour forever. Oh, Sally. Yeah, Sally Fitzgibbons. I could see Sally winning this thing. Steph winning it and we get Carolyn second Lakey third Carissa with a fifth and we have a three way surf off that would be fun would it maybe yeah I don't know maybe not um alright forget it we'll just watch football that day (laughs) (laughs) oh Uh, my by the way as we go into this Hawaiian season I just want to make a point okay and it's something that I saw on Bobby Owens' Instagram do you even know who Bobby Owens is yeah okay well for the listeners out there that don't let me tell you who Bobby Owens is, according to Matt Warshaw's Encyclopedia of Surfing. Who, by the way, they're having a fun... He's having his November fundraiser, Matt Warshaw. So if you can find it in your heart to throw through a few shackles his way... I wouldn't even find it in your heart. You should just subscribe for three bucks a month. It's a no-brainer. Well, do that, but this is like more like a fundraising thing. Like yeah. I threw some shackles their way. But yeah, sign up. How to, much is a shekel worth? My shekels? Or... I don't know. I don't really know. But congenial, freckle-faced Hawaiian pro surfer Bobby Owens from the North Shore of Oahu, world-ranked number 10 in 1982, but best known for his fast and fluid riding on the North Shore of Oahu. Bobby Owens was born in Italy, the son of a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. I didn't know that. Moved with his family to Oahu in 1966, where he began surfing. Ten years later, he turned professional. Owens placed second in the 1977 prestigious Duke Classic at Sunset Beach. In 1980, he won the Pro Class, Pro Class Trials, also at Sunset. The Pro Class Trials used to be the very prestigious event, which got you into the main events. And the Quicksilver Bells Beach Trials in Australia. He made the World Tour year-end top 16 four times, placing 12th in 77, 7th in 78, 12th in 81, and 10th in 82. 
An unlikely looking surf hero at five foot eight, 140 pounds with chalk white skin and wavy red hair, Owens was nonetheless among the most respected surfers at Sunset Beach in the late 70s and in the 80s, and he was featured in more than a dozen surf movies. So Bobby stated something on his Instagram the other day, which I've said before, you'll, this will sound familiar, but which I think needs to be said again as we head into the Hawaiian season. And that is, I truly believe that an event at Sunset Beach needs to be judged with the full arena uh, in the judging criteria. And right now what we basically have, the event at Sunset Beach has turned into an event at Inside Sunset. And it needs to be an event that covers the outside West Peak at Sunset. We want to see Bobby Owens style surfing, West Lane style surfing, Gary Kong, Elkerton style surfing, Rabbit Bartholomew, Michael Ho, where their window, like rolling down the windshield, dropping into massive West Peak balls, laying down 400 yard bottom turns, carving up high, then it goes deep water and they're cutting back to set up what they hope will be the inside section. And that type of surfing out there should be rewarded in this day and age. And that then would suggest that if you're going to surf in a, in a heat out there and you just sit on the inside, the most you can get is a five. Even if you get a sick barrel. Even if you get a sick barrel, the most you can get a... And that's the way you would have to do it from a judging standpoint to get them to start to inch out to the West Peak yeah. and take off like a man, like the men used to take off out there. Like, that's what Sunset Beach is. It's not a contest at Inside Sunset. Yeah. It's a, it's a contest at Sunset Beach, all of its glory. The incredible mammoth West Peak, which rolls in for 400 yards feathering. You think it's going to break, and it doesn't break. It backs off until it hits you, and Al Chapman screams at you, Go, you friggin' kook! And you go, because you're at Sunset Beach. And this needs to be acknowledged by the WSL, by the judging staff, by the world. I hope everyone takes uh, witness to what Bobby Owens said on his Instagram mm -hmm. and, and likes it and agrees with him. And listens to what you and I are saying now, David, me more than you, and says, yeah, those guys on spit are right. I love to argue with you, and I cannot. I fully co-sign everything that you're saying. Yes. Enjoy this moment. I'm going to just, right now, just Soak let's be quiet together. Soak it in. Special. No, okay. I'm going to lay, lay wow. in some music. That is beautiful. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I actually forget. Almost... To be honest, I wonder as you say that if some, um, if we don't pay enough respect to Hawaii anymore, like some attention for pro surfing at large, there's less weight and focus on Hawaii than I think that there used to be. I feel like everything used to come to this pointy end of the stick and almost everything else in the season was like a sideshow just leading into Hawaii during the three months of the year, you know, or a couple of months of the year. Um, it happens for longer than three months, but really the surf media's focus there is for two months. And now it's almost equalized where we're as equally excited about the, I don't know, Australian leg and Tahiti and the European leg and all these other things that are happening. And then it doesn't really matter. Sunset's like an afterthought even. Pipe still matters, but Sunset doesn't really have any weight in gravity anymore. Right? Well, it, I mean, it, I mean, one of the 10,000 QSs is there, so it's very, very important, Sunset Beach. From a, sta from a point standpoint, it is 
and, those and we can get it. See, see, I mentioned the Duke contest earlier in this in this conversation. The Duke contest used to be the most prestigious contest in Hawaii, and somehow or another, we lost it. And I'm saying, let's not lose Sunset Beach. Let's not lose it from our culture. It feels let's, like it is. We need to regain it. And I think guys like Rocky Cannon, who are doing, did some of the commentary on the on the um, the uh, the Vans event that was just there. I think some of the, I think it's it's incumbent upon the broadcasters to start to bring this up. And and frankly, the judging staff needs to like people like Bobby Owens and Rabbit Bartholomew. People need to go look. This is important. You know what I did today? I I watched the nineteen eighty three Sunset no Sun Kissed World Cup at Sunset Beach on YouTube. Yes, it was actually on. In, Matt's site, the Encyclopedia oh, yeah. of Surfing. I watched the, the two semifinals and the final, and it was awesome. Hmm. And they were taking off at massive, big north swell sunsets, straight howling offshores, late drops, Richard Schmidt, Michael Ho, West Lane, Buttons, Kanoa Downing. Keone? No, his, his brother, Kanoa. Oh, really? And just ripping, I think it was his brother. And just ripping and setting it, Michael Ho, and just setting it up. Rod Kursop, remember that name? There's a name from the past. And setting it up, ripping the outside, getting into that fat section, cutting back, and here it comes. And, and there was that moment of, oh, my God, here it comes. And Bruce Jenner, Caitlin, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Was talking with Fred Hemmings, and Fred's like, okay, they're setting up the inside section. Watch this. Well, you know, and sure enough those guys are pulling into beastie inside barrels after doing all the killer stuff on a board like it's hard to find a board that's equipped for both of those things the inside bowl and the outside peak and and i blame pipe because there's so much attention to, to pipe and getting barreled and pipe pipe is incredible and the whole arena down there is insane but don't turn sunset beach into sh- a shitty backdoor event yeah because that's what inside sunset is i mean it's a mean gross it's a wobbly it's a powerful it'll yeah. it'll break your ribs but i mean it's it's mean but if it's just going to turn into a tube riding contest at inside sunset that is not sunset beach that is not what surfing in hawaii is about that is not what the north shore is about and let's not marginalize it right. let's make sunset beach what it's supposed to be and score them I'm accordingly in. if you're on the inside and only the inside the most you can get is a five i'm in i'm in thank you now how do you feel about Haleiwa? I love Haleiwa. That's probably the best. That's such a fun wave to surf. No, but as as a you as, know, an, as, as a as triple a, crown venue and an event, I think Haleiwa. The problem with Haleiwa is, like many events, there's just so many guys in that thing. Yeah, that you can get. You have to run it, and so they run it in marginal conditions. But Haleiwa is a mean, tough wave to surf. I think it's really a challenging sur- a wave competitively. Um, so when it's big. You know, North Swell, or I guess West Swell is a West Swell, but when it's big, um, it's just not. It's just a gnarly wave, you know. Like, yeah, there's highlight moments when it's good and big. I enjoy it in the contest, but I don't think it represents nearly as much interest as Sunset or Pipe. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, there's moments during the six days or whatever when you're like, okay, it's proper, you know, like it's, yeah, it's and, fun little appetizer for the. It's Triple a gnarly down. wave. I don't think they do a good enough job of, of sort of. It's a it, it's a spooky wave. It's, it's it's a wave which you always seem to be struggling to stay in position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big wave world tour news. Yeah, I, I have saw this. some for you. 
Let's see. I'll just read straight from the press release. So, David, the official holding period for the WSL's Big Wave events opened a few days ago, November 1st, 2019. And it runs through March 31st, 2020. And this big this this year's big wave season will feature the CBDMD Jaws Big Wave Championship and the Nazare Toe Surfing Challenge, two new events that will showcase the best of big wave surfing in the paddle and toe and disciplines. The Nazare Toe Surfing Challenge presented by Hogo Santa Casa will feature a unique toe team expression session format. Ten two surfer teams will participate. Within each team, the competitors will both drive the jet ski and surf, with each participant needing to ride at least two waves. There will be four one-hour heats with five teams per heat. Each team will participate in two heats with a priority system indicating which pair has their preferred choice of incoming waves at any moment. The event will be broadcast live and captured one on video from multiple angles. At the conclusion of the competition, a nominating panel will examine the video evidence and select the biggest, best-ridden waves of the day, as with a group of big wave judges, and will review the nominated rides and places their votes in an assortment of categories. So the competitors and the judges decide together who they think wins in the Nazare Toe Surfing Challenge. And of course, Jaws, the window is open. Yeah. Thoughts? Interesting. It's kind of fits with a lot of things that we've been kind of advocating for, suggesting that they do. I guess what I'm really feeling is that I've been trying to make sense of the Big Wave World Tour now for a lot of years, and each year it shifts and adapts, and I'm, my interest is waning. Yeah, you want some continuity. I'm kind of, at this point, I'm like, all right, pull it off and show me, and then I'll decide whether I like it or not. Yeah. That's how I feel. I'm almost... If I told you that the Jaws is yellow lit and it's going to probably run on Saturday, would you be excited? I would, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So that that's all that needs, right, yeah. to get your interest. The toe thing, you're I'm like, a okay, lot less bo boil it down and I'll show me a wipeout. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now that you're saying it, I'm a lot less interested. If you said the same scenario, there's a toe event on Saturday at Nazare, I'd be like, maybe I'll put it on. Yeah. But I will watch the af I will watch the highlights afterwards. Oh yeah, for sure. But the toe thing, I mean, dude, it's they go straight. Yeah, it's not that interesting. I know. It really isn't, and like uh, to a certain degree, Nazare is a novelty wave to me. Yeah. And I know anybody who's ever surfed it is probably wants to rip my head off for saying that because it is. You know, I think from a consumer so standpoint, it is a novelty wave. It's a wave where world records are going to be set and show me when they happen, and that's cool. But it's lost it's, some of its eye candy luster because as a toe wave, it has yeah, as a toe and yeah. And I talked to JoJo Roper the other day, and he was like, "It's a great paddle wave competition spot because there's so it's so open ocean. There's so many gnarly peaks coming in all over. You're not all bunched up in sort of one takeoff area, right? But they'll be towing this year." Yeah, so... So who's the world the, champion? So, as I think about it, what is... I already can tell you what the highlight reel from the toe event at Nazare is going to look like. Yeah. And because I've already seen it a bunch of times. It's kind of like watching a wave from Surf Ranch. As soon as it pops up in my Instagram feed, I scroll right past because I already know what it looks like. Yeah. There are two surfers, only two surfers, David, that are actually in both of these events. Should those two surfers just be the two that we 
consider the the big wave world champions one of those two surfers we, we've narrowed it down they've narrowed it down for us there's only two guys that are in the both the Nazare event and the jaws event so even if they got like last places they might accumulate more points than somebody that got first place well yeah between those two yeah. guys we're gonna have a world title yeah who are the guys twiggy who do you, who do you think twiggy and maybe greg long or billy kemper no kai lenny oh, and grant yeah. baker those are our two. Those are the two guys in the running for the big wave world title, according to Scott and David. Yeah. Yes. According to Scott. Another moment of agreement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, if it was a paddle, if it was a paddle event, I give it to Twiggy. Over well, it's both. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just saying. All right. Well, anyway, we're not interested. But what is interesting, right, is that this Mavericks thing is also happening, right? So. Um, I don't know if we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, Jeff Clark put out a press release basically saying, hey, we're running the Mavericks event. It's going to be a season-long event. We're going to get your clips. You're going to upload them to our site. We're all going to look at them. We're going to have specific categories. And, um, oh, by the way, you have to make it to the channel to even be considered. There's right. none of this, like, what they call takeoff and inflate, go straight right, and inflate right, right. or whatever. Right, right. So you, so that's interesting too. So a season-long thing where they're going to be giving out awards for the Mavericks championship. Right. Thoughts uh, on Mavericks and I mean, Jeff much, Clark being involved much, again. I love it. I'm much more interested in that event, and I think that's a. He is a. Uh, a good kind of I don't know a visionary to allow make some of those bigger decisions. That is a correct decision that you have to make it to the channel. I think that's progress. For the judging criteria so i think good on you and i think that event's much more compelling that wave is much less i don't know what that final wave will look like in the highlight reel from mavericks i cannot predict what is going to be the winning wave and each year out there or each yeah i guess season um there are new boundaries that are broken and set for things crazy things that we haven't seen before so i'm excited for that one good yeah what about you I am excited. Same way. Yep. I do. I do feel the same way. It's an exciting wave. Scary wave. Um, I don't know if you care about the Olympics at this point anymore, but there's been. I do care about the Olympics. Eight officially qualified surfers. You want a quick rundown? Sure. Uh, Joanne Defay for France. Tatiana Weston Webb for Brazil. Chloe Andino for USA. You want to cheer for that right now? Yay! Uh, Kanoe Igarashi for Japan. Jordy Smith for that's South like, Africa. That sounded like a... Sally Fitzgibbon for Australia. Yay! <laughs> Stephanie Gilmore, also Australia. Princess Diana. Jeremy Flores for France. Those are the eight. I feel like the Australian women's team has got um, a lot of potential so far. How so? <laughs> Those are, that's a great team. Sally oh. Fitz and oh. Steph. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Rip Curl was sold. Saw this. This is interesting, right? On a couple of different levels. I, I don't know if you saw it. Mike, um, how do you say Mike C's last name? I always put C. Morella? Yeah. So Mike C. Morella wrote a pretty cool article on Stab about this, in which he's suggesting that um, we should be thinking about what it means that corporate spreadsheet decision makers now own the entirety of the surf industry and therefore dictate our culture to us. Do you believe that to be the case? Do you believe that now that Rip Curl, sort of the last, Patagonia is privately held, but Rip Curl, the last sort still of hold. Private. Still, yeah. 
the last now it's publicly held right so bill about oh, oh really i think the company that bought it is still a private company oh, okay but it's not a surf surfer owned company anymore right so hurley's being sold to a company rip curl's been sold his, mike's basic take was there's not like salt at the top anymore there used to be bob hurley there used to be um bob mcknight there used to be um you know gordon merchant at billabong there used to be paul nade um he's with Vistula though there's some salt there anyway does this concern you at all mike seemed to say we should be concerned and i'm kind of i'm kind of con- like i don't I don't give a shit. Like, none of that even affects me at all. And he even wrote, you're probably going to say that you don't care, that it doesn't affect you, but I'm here to tell you it will affect you. No. He sort of tried to make an argument that it did, but I'm kind of like, let the whole thing blow up. Who cares? Well, it's not going to blow up. I don't think it's going to blow up, and I don't think... uh, And I think that Mikey presents a reasonable concern, but I'm not concerned because the whole model is entirely different now. We used to care about that because those five companies did influence our surf experience those companies don't even sponsor ct events that's anymore. what he said he's you like, know he's like he brought so, that up he's like so none of them even that's the point so who cares well, like well, they're now just selling clothes so to now all of the world well the interesting thing there right is that it's kind of like facebook it's like okay there's only one real social media platform and it's the ws like so our surfing platform now culturally is is it just the wsl no it, it isn't it's it's not i agree i'm just yeah, it isn't. And it's, all of the media... It's you and me, and yeah. it's Surfline, and it's podcasts, and it's everyone, and it's the med- Stab, and it's 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 Chaz, and, and Derek, and everyone over there, and it's Warshaw, and it's... It's all been democratized. Yeah. So anybody can create content. There's tons of good content out there. And then also, from a funding side, you as the viewer can pick your own path and fund those things, and give Matt Warshaw three bucks a month and keep him in business, and go buy Visla product who is investing in you know surfboard shapers and vid- surf films and laminators even and all that sort of stuff like does surf clothes even matter anymore I mean I know it hasn't mattered to you and I for a long time but do you think it'll get to a place where it's like nobody even wants to make clothes anymore because they realize no one's even buying like it's just going to be Visla's going to make wetsuits and trunks Hurley's going to make wetsuits and trunks O'Neill's going to make wetsuits and trunks and really making like outerwear. I'm not going to compete with North Face and Columbia and, and Patagonia. I think it matters. People do. People do care. People want to wear a t-shirt from the brand that they have some sentimental attachment to. A t-shirt's one thing. I'm talking about a full clothing line. Like, Yeah, I, I think the other stuff matters too. I mean, to a certain Do you think degree. in 10 years there won't be... What about the idea that in 10 years there won't be... In surf shops, there won't be as much clothing as you might think. It's just going to be board shorts, t-shirts, maybe so. wetsuits. Because look, you and I are going to buy our we're going to buy our clothes online. I don't know, dude. I think it goes both ways. I think the middle goes away. I think that yes, there's mass-produced fast fashion on the one end of the spectrum that's available on the internet, and it gets to you tomorrow. It gets delivered tomorrow. And then on the other end, it is artisanal self-expression. And I think that that's true for the foods that you eat and purchase, for the teas that you drink, and for everything, for clothing and everything else. You know, you get people who want a very curated style, and they're going to go buy the flannel from the company that they care about, or the pants that represent their look and lifestyle. Let me ask you this. I go into... 
uh, a surf shop. Let's say I go into uh, Surfline or Hanson's, or I mean Surfride or Hanson's or um, wherever, San Diego. I go into a surf shop and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going in because I need a new pair of shorts and some pants or a flannel would be a better thing. I need a flannel. I need a pullover and I need a pair of shorts. I personally am not like going in there to go buy like say um, Ruka or Salty Crew or Visla, but I am going to the surf shop to do my shopping. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to support my store and that's what they carry and that's cool. That's fine with me and I'm going to pick from those, but I'm not necessarily brand loyal. I'm more loyal to the concept Retail. of the retailer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And whatever they put out, I trust that they've got some cool stuff, which they do. Yeah. And a wide variety. And I'm just going to grab the one that fits the best. And if it's Ruka, it might be a Ruka top and it might be shorts from Visla or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, do you think that's more of the mindset or do you think there truly is this brand loyalty? I, I sense that, and maybe because I've, I've aged out of that, but I don't know if there's real brand loyalty. Yeah. It's more retail loyalty. Like, I go to buy my clothes at a surf shop because I'm a surfer. Whatever they put out, I'm going to grab the coolest one. But I'm not necessarily going, you know, like, back in the day, I was like, I'm going to buy Billabong because Aki was, it's 1986 and Aki's on fire, you know? You were a lot more subject to uh, advertising at that point or just um, who's cool in terms of pro surfers. You yeah, know? my like, age, that was stuff like the perfect time. influence you anymore. I honestly, I can ju- only speak for myself. I buy based on fit and, um, or the goodwill material. Is. No material. So it's like, I have a pair of jeans whose I know exact size 32 and this cut and this style is what fits me best. And I prefer the feel of. And so I just buy that exact pant every time. You know, and I'll get a pair in black. I will get blue yeah. jeans, and I'll get the cords. I'm the same way. I have a sort of a set clothing thing that I got. Um, Patagonia pants. There you go. Shout out. I love these pants. They're called Venga. I've, I've seen you wear them in mustard, and I've got them in every color. I know. They're cool. Um, yeah. I'm worried about my battery dying. Oh. So do you want to? Oh, I've got a musty moment. Me too. Um, my musty moment is. Kelly Slater and his girlfriend Kalani Miller at the Kelly Slater Surf Ranch riding together on one board, pulling into the tube. It's uh, sheer joy on Kalani Miller's face as she pulls into the barrel. Tandem with, surf with her loved barrel. one tandem in the tube. It's really cool. Put it's a, a, it's put a, a great, smile on my face. It's a great moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it uh, for all of the ire that I've spewed at Surf Ranch in the last year or so, it warmed my heart. It, it warmed cool. the cockles of my heart. Wow. Shackles, cockles, a lot going on. <laughs> Shackles of my heart? Yes. By the Probably way, I've signed fair. up to go to the Monkey Surf Resort. Okay. Yeah. Monkey Surf Resort, May, in May, I'm going. May 2020. I don't want to give the full date, but. Okay. Monkey Surf Resort. Is shout it, out. I'm going to be giving some is shout outs to my bros at the Monkey Surf Resort. Check it out. Is it Red Monkey or is it just Monkey? Monkey Surf okay. Resort. My must see moment. Russell Bierke's uh, new edit. Did you see this? No. I forget I, the I name. I was watching the 1983 Suncast Sunset <laughs> Beach World Cup. I'm way behind. Uh, I forget the name of it. Um, Russell Bierke's new edit. You know who that kid is, right? Oh, yeah. From I Australia. love that guy. I'm a big fan. It's insane, dude. There's one wave in particular that he gets at maybe Shipsterns. The greatest wave I've ever seen surfed. I watched it 10 times. And I was, I still couldn't wrap my head around Did it. Did you do an aerial? 
No, Shipstern's giant, giant, you know, th- five uh, ledges, five ledges, and he and it's a massive wave too. It's like a very big wave for Shipstern's, yeah. and he free fall drops, and connects at the bottom, barely, like yeah. catches, like his rail just barely connects as the lips falling right behind him, and he picks that line like he just, it, it was, there was no Critical. room for error, Critical. no room for error yeah. on a triple overhead wave, five steps. And air drops to the bottom, lands, and right the moment he lands, that's the line that he sticks with, and the ba- the barrel like breaks right past him. Right. So he barely sneaks in and just sits there getting this crazy barrel for the length of it and gets blown out. Every single moment in it is harrowing and could go gone. How long is he at it? Fifteen minutes. Yeah. yeah. And Craig Anderson was on that was in the water that day, and he said it's the best wave that he's ever seen surfed. Kelly posted about it on Instagram, saying this is mind blowing. Uh, it is next this. level. Okay. It is completely. Let's next put that level. on the um, Spit Podcast Sp- website. Spitpodcast.com is the website. Um, cool. And then my Duke is Davy Van Zeel. Oh yes, winning at Sunset, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shout South out, South African. How about that? And I mean, Jack Robinson got that ten point ride on Inside Sunset, which you think should have been a five, uh, but was unreal like Jack, like there were so many amazing kind of elements of that event and but Davy Van Zeel had enough wherewithal to win the entire event yeah so. that's cool that's um it's kind of cool dark horse by the way we didn't mention it but you know whose clothing I do wear who's need essentials baby. hell yeah need essentials, need essentials by the baby. way it's that time of year to get a new full suit and so yeah we're t- and I've tell people always ask me where should I get a wetsuit? It's amazing I how many a, people ask me. I saw a guy in the parking lot the other day, and he noticed mine. He goes, dude, is that a Neat Essentials wetsuit? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm waiting for him to, like, recognize me from the podcast because that's what my ego does. Right. And uh, he never did. Right. I was waiting to, for him to be like, oh, yeah, I, I heard about this on a podcast or something like that. He never did. But he goes, oh, I got the same exact suit. And it was the back zip. That's what I had on. Yeah. I got the 3-2 back zip. Yeah. I think I prefer the front zip, to be honest. But... I rolled the dice with the back zip, and I, I do like it. But I need to get a new one for the season. I just don't like that the string from the zipper gets, gets in my way. way yeah. You know, um, I tie a hat. I like the back that that string to tie a hat to. Oh, okay. I tie a hat. The fact that you're even wearing a hat is hilarious to me. You know, what's hilarious to me is that it's actually a the visor. The fact that you're <laughs> going to be behind me in the tube as I'm driving down the line. That is very logical. Uh, likely because I've seen you burn lots of people. I do not <laughs> so burn people. I've seen you burn people. No, that's, that's a negative. Um, all right. Well, Scott, this was a wonderful show. Is this your next guest? Yep. Just pull up. Who yep. is it? Uh, NVS Fins. We're going to record some commercials together. NVS Fins. Naked Viking Surf Co. Right. They look like Vikings. You know those guys. Yeah. Let's say hi to them. All right, Scott, sign us off. Okay. Until next time. This has been a great show, David. I'm thrilled with it. Adios and aloha.